0: Hell yeah! The Gaming Guru Podcast Diesel the best
1: gaming podcast in the world!
0: Welcome back Guru fans, it is another week and another chance to talk shit about games Yeah, I'm here with Tim as per usual, how are you doing Tim?
1: What is up, doing very well and yourself Mr. G?
0: Yeah, all good man, it's uh, the new year, schools have finally resumed TF um, For those of you who are parents, you'll know exactly what I mean uh, Holidays are so, <laughs> so long uh, So it's good to have uh, kiddo back at school so I can focus on, yeah, let's say work, uh, but also uh, to, be able, to be able to play some games without having to worry about entertaining the young guy. But um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's obviously start a new year, it's start a new decade even, and so a lot of the time people look back at this kind of period of year and go, okay, what is like the best game of the decade? Um, decade seems to be like the the only real maximum fair amount of time, because you know when you start going to things like what is the game of the century and you're like okay are we are we going to be considering things like chess and checkers and monopoly um, into this equation uh, i think Tetris. you know exactly when you you chalk it into you know game of the decade there's enough parameters that have stayed the same i mean if you talk about a decade you're talking about like basically two maximum three generations of console um, so you know things can can adequately be compared. You've had maybe one or two iterations of a franchise, or ten if it's FIFA or Call of Duty. Uh, um, so yeah, it's it's a nice way to to look at things. And so we decided this week, let's look at some of the games uh, that have been a nominated for kind of game of the decade. Which for those of you who don't know, Metacritic did a little thing with its viewers or its listeners, readers, whatever, and decided that last of us part one uh or that stage was just called last of us um is the game of the decade um, is
1: that what they decided does, did they say it was um it was last of us part one
0: yeah yeah they I did mean,
1: i mean Which not that i could like, yeah yeah no 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 i mean like i love that game like i've played it multiple times I, is it really the game of the decade though I don't. Know. Yeah. Anyway, like, we're going we're um, going we're going to get into that. we're going to like, you know, figure it out, play around with some of these concepts, some of these games and yeah. you know, the, the the thing that really stands out to me is like how much gaming has changed like uh, in 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 the last decade particularly not just on like a graphics point of view, but like the archetypes of games that we've gone through typically like, you know, go through phases. Mm-hmm. Like when I was uh, doing a putting a bit of research together for this pod and like looking at um Looking at some of the biggest titles, you know, things like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Two has one of the highest Metacritic scores, and that came out in like 2000. But we don't see any like skateboarding games, like you know, kind of dominating consoles as far as like sports games go. It's they they kind of like dropped into one of like two or three different streams, and uh, I feel like the extreme sports era of gaming, which kind of like was really big on like PS1, PS2, is just kind of like evaporated slightly.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you talk to Tony uh, Pro Skater 2, it, it might have just been like where culture was at the time in terms of there was just this great intersection between gaming, extreme sports. Uh, Tony was a bit of a like pop culture icon at the time as well. I mean, there were plenty of skateboarders who within, the, frater- <laughs> <laughs> within the fraternity would have like been seen as bigger names within skateboarding. But like certainly yeah. in the mainstream you know he kind of like defined you know what what skateboarding was the kind of like you know two thousand took like the m t v kind of crossover culture as well, you know, so I think it was more than just like the game being good it yeah. was
1: i mean we I were remember changing... we were also different. like all skateboarding <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. and trying Fair to enough. do like tricks in the in the road and then we'll go play Tony Hawk Pro skater 2 to do the tricks we can't do in real life
0: of course, yeah, like Ollie and um. The the other thing was, you know, chatting to friends who, who played the game, it was, it was kind of before the time where digital music was readily available. And yes. so what happened was it was also a way to like hear really dope music. You know, like I remember downloading pretty much that entire soundtrack, but like only about half the songs I'd ever heard before. The rest were like, whoa, how good is all this music? Um, And it was a way to kind of discover music because it was before the Spotify's and Apple, uh, you know, iTunes and all that sort of stuff. So um, it kind of ticked a lot of um, boxes. But but I think before we jump into that game specifically or like now that we have, I, I kind of when we were going through the list of potential game of the decades, I think it sort of starts with games that you would consider giving 10 out of 10 um or like whatever your top score is because i know a little people some people get quite anal about the idea of you yeah. know 10 out of 10 being a perfect game um yeah and i know we kind of we compiled our list so i think we can go through those um but for me let, let's start with like i don't really think there's such a thing as a perfect game um but in all honesty so when i see 10 out of 10 for a game or when i decide to rate a game 10 out of 10 for me it's more i use this this kind of metric of going how um, much would I recommend this game to any gamer? And so yeah. the 10 out of 10 for me are the games that like you have to have played this game, even if you don't like the genre or like you, you know, you try it and then you decide it's not for you. But like, if you consider yourself a gamer, you have to play this game because it's like going to be one of the foundations of you know the memes what people are talking about games to come in the future how games will evolve to try and copy this it's that's that's where i kind of like put 10 out of 10 this is how things um you know you you have to have played this game
1: yeah i know for me for, for for me when it comes to like um when it comes to rating games, look, I, I also very, I, I've never given a game like a straight 10. I, I don't really believe in like a rating system to that in that sense, because, you know, some games will click with me and just not with others. I, I like that, uh, the margin of like, again, like how much you would recommend it to someone else. I feel like that's a good benchmark to use, but again, like people's, you know, tastes, taste differ. Like some mm. people might say that like candy Crush is the game of the decade. Um, but, and, and I've never, you know, I've never been fucking with the Candy Crush. <laughs> <laughs> um, for for me, obviously, like I mean, we'll get into. Okay, we can get into the list. Like I got, I got a list yeah. here. Like I don't want to, sure. I don't want to go into like too many examples of um, of, uh, of 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 my list to be specific.
0: Yeah. Um, so, when you take us through your list of ten out tens, and if there are any that are missing or that I would add, I'll check them on afterwards.
1: So. Um, f- for like a starting point or slash reference point for this argument, I uh, like I kind of went through that Metacritic list. Um there's a couple here that I haven't played, like Zelda Breath of the Wild, which is on the top of the list of like the highest um Metacritic score out of all those games there. You know, it's got a perfect ten out of ten from from many outlets, it's got ninety nine percent on uh, on Metacritic. And for me, I feel like um, I feel like a lot of that has to do with the fact that it came out with a new console, Yeah. you know, like no one had, like everyone had been waiting for like a new Nintendo like platform for, for ages. And then this beautiful game came out that like just revolutionized um, the Zelda. IP. Like, so the Zelda IP changed a lot. It was brand new, it was super fresh and it was being played on this fresh new console. So it really felt like something that people hadn't like, you know,
0: experience uh, before, played yeah.
1: with, experience before and i think like a lot of that influences the score that it gets like if zelda breath of the wild had to come out like today or at least yeah. there's a sequel coming out now right is it out
0: um yeah I, i'm not sure i i haven't really followed the zelda franchise i was probably the one person who didn't enjoy breath of the wild um and it's it's twofold the one is um i immediately get my backup about anything that's rated 10 out of 10 because then i go what we're off on a mission to find everything wrong with this game, and I mean, <laughs> down to things like you know the fact that there's very limited voice acting. And I'm going, how does a game get 10 out of 10 when half the time the character is going <laughs> when like <laughs> in The Witcher, every person has voice lines. Um, in you know like same with yeah. um, what's it, uh, Aloy and uh, Horizon yeah, Zero Dawn, which I just finished when I started Zelda, so it was like. Uh, how can a game be perfect if there's... And then people just defend going, no, but that's what Zelda games are like. They just don't have voice acting. (laughs) People go duper, duper, duper in them and just like, okay, I'm supposed to accept that. So yeah, there was that. And then the other thing was having just come off playing, um, like I said, the Horizon Zero Dawn, which I thought was a phenomenal RPG, going into this, which is far more of the kind of like... um, open world uh, kind of almost survival, do your own thing, but like you're making food and, you know, it's really, really um, open-ended. I got frustrated compared to Breath of the Wild, not Breath of the Wild, um, Zero Dawn, because that was a little bit more guided by the story, which I enjoy in an RPG. So Mm -hmm. um, immediately kind of had a bad backdrop for me. I get why people dig it. and, and i hear what you're saying about the new console kind of giving the entire experience a fresh kind of coat of paint but um mm. yeah that would be the one on the 10 out of 10 Where i'm just like yeah. solid, so I, solid nine
1: so i think a lot of like the um the zelda reviews come with like beer goggles you know yeah where people are, like drunk on this new console and they're like oh my god the switch wow herpa derpa and like yeah. just give it their 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 high score um so, Question, little how,
0: mini theory here. <laughs> do, do you think games are more or less accurate when they're a cross-platform, if you know what I mean, in terms of their rating? Because how often have you seen that the rating is different between PC, con- uh, Xbox, and uh, PlayStation? On like a GTA, you'll find that like it's rated higher on Xbox, for example, and lower on PC or whatever. Um, so when you've got a console exclusive like Zelda... Um, you know what I mean? Everyone's experiencing it the same way. Yeah. There's not going to be like optimization issues. And I mention that because yeah. like that was my one issue with Control, which was a Game of the Year nominee last year. Phenomenal game, but there were frame rate drops. And while people on PC wouldn't have experienced that on the PlayStation, I'm like, yeah, you can't give Game of the Year to something that hasn't been optimized to the point that like it's not dropping under twenty frames in yeah. the middle of fights. So. <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, and and it's weird that you uh, well, it's interesting you bring that up because the next one on my list would be GTA V, and that's like a good example of a game that's come out over like um, multiple consoles, but not only that, but also like two generations of consoles. Yeah. yeah. So when you have like such a wide margin for um, for reviews, because I mean, every time it comes out in another console, that's another round of reviews yeah. or another another generation, another um, you know finally gets released on you know xbox or whatever suddenly like everyone's reviewing it on xbox so then you're looking at the metacritic score and the pool's getting getting wider so you have so i think that that's yeah it's harder to be, get a
0: perfect score the more the more votes come in just yeah. inherently yeah, by just the have, distribution you, of votes
1: you just have more variables so this yeah. game i guess has been like um uh has been sustainably scoring at like 97 percent, sort of like a lot uh, launched around like on the current generation in 2014 i think it came out 2013 as well the year before on um, uh, playstation 3 it was one of the like last ps3 titles right and has really like like... seen itself grow into one of the biggest entertainment properties of all time so and it also created like a generation of memes um, uh you know people people doing skits doing the voices like GTA 5 still to this day if you have a copy of it you'll find someone to buy it online with, within yeah. like you know a couple minutes because you know I've gone through like two or three copies and people just buy them as soon as i put it online it's like yo is you still have <laughs> GTA 5 yeah. i'm like yeah sure man you can get you can no, pick because it up for I, I, could,
0: I couldn't play it while i was a kid and now that i've moved out I, my parents will finally let me because <laughs> they don't they don't own me um, but does think,
1: gta 5 its success to uh, san andreas
0: oh I, I think it just owes its success to the the franchise you know the cold um standing on the shoulders of giants it's just every iteration stands on the ones before it and i mean every single one has been a success to varying degrees i mean some have been better than others but yes san andreas was amazing and so you know, the next one's going to be even better. And when GTA 6 comes out, I'm sure it'll be just as good, if not better, as long as they don't go with the Red Dead route of everything taking forever to do.
1: But well, um, I just two- remember having a good time with, like, that uh, Tony vasetti baby. <laughs> like, GTA 3 soundboard, like, making prank yeah. calls. Okay, never mind.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, just, a, just
1: a random tidbit. The,
0: the, the two kind of, like uh rando stats that i always remember from gta 5 um, that i always found quite interesting was uh, more than 20 percent of people have bought it on multiple um platforms so you bought on xbox 360 and one or ps3 and pc or whatever um which i mean if you think of the set you know if you're trying to make money from a franchise selling two copies is certainly going to boost the the amount of income a game generates because it's not like you are um, designing the game twice there's a little bit of porting done but like it's hardly in con you know in comparison to designing an entire game and the other was that iron man i think it was three that was going to launch that year actually delayed its premiere because it was due to launch on the same weekend as gta 5 and what? people were just like people are not going to watch this because the cinemas <laughs> will be empty that weekend and i think it was just a major kind of like line in the sand yeah. to go like wow cool I mean, it's not—it's not a rinky-dink franchise. It's fucking Disney no, and Marvel, yeah. and it's Iron Man Three, which is arguably one of the more popular kind of um, you know sort of uh, franchise within the MCU. And you're going also the end of the trilogy. It's like a whole bunch of reasons why this movie will succeed. And they're going, "Yeah, we're just not going to risk it." They, I think they delayed it two weeks because um, wow, then people will be over the buzz. Because GTA is amazing. one of those games that, like, like you said, the memes. offer is like. If you name the two games, maybe three games, every time it comes out, the people that make the jokes about like calling in sick, it's GTA, whatever the latest FIFA is, and the latest COD. <laughs> people are like calling sick at school, not going to work, doing whatever. All of a sudden, they, I mean, the, the great there's the meme and then there's the the counter meme, the meme of the the guy showing a six pack of beer and a copy of the game with a note from his girlfriend going like, "Love you, baby. I'm gonna go out with the girls." You just like enjoy the weekend. Here's some money for pizza. Here's some beer and like enjoy the game. And like, oh, got the best girlfriend. And then the memes that come out going, guys, you know, GTA is about to come out. So it's that time of the year where everyone pretends to have girlfriends, takes photos <laughs> of a six pack of beer with some money for pizza, saying their girlfriend bought it for them.
1: <laughs> Dude, no, I. I find, I mean, like that's that statistic is is quite wild. I didn't actually know that. That's um, a company as big as Disney, Marvel will feel threatened by an entertainment property in like a different industry. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, it's. And it's also a, an
0: age restricted, like an over 18s game where their movies, let's be honest, targeted at like 13 yeah. year olds. So, I mean, they would think like, okay, cool, the parents will be playing GTA and the kids will go to movies. No, the kids will be at home playing GTA. Like, let's just wait two weeks. Don't worry about it.
1: Let, let, let's let be honest. They were just worried that, like, the premiere uh, of Iron Man 3 would be empty because, like, Jon Favreau and, like, <laughs> Tony... And, like, R D J would be at home playing GTA. It's like, hey, man, why aren't you at the, <laughs> at the premiere? It's at the like, premiere. fuck that. <laughs> add me in Fuck post. that. These, <laughs> these coppers on my ass, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, so certainly GTA would make most people's list. And it's, it's also one of those, when you add it to a list... I think where people go, like, fight me on it. And so far, like, the three games you've mentioned, Zelda, as much as, like, I didn't really enjoy it and wouldn't make my list, it's not going to be one of those, if you put it on your list, I'm going to go fight me. Like, that's wrong. And um, I think that's the key, really, on a lot of these, like, 10 out of 10 type games is that even people who might not have given a 10 are not going to go, oh, that's such a garbage edition. Like, what the hell are you talking about? They'll admit, yeah, it's a good game. Just maybe wasn't my vibe. Fight um, me, bro.
1: Where's your katana yeah. at?
0: <laughs> so the next one uh, we spoke about at length, uh, which is The Witcher Three. Um, yeah, just it's a great game. My literal only complaint in the game was I started it immediately after finishing Bloodborne, and in comparison, your the fighting is very clunky. You know, in mm-hmm. Bloodborne, you are your turn. You, you can hold that controller like to one of the corners, and your player will spin around on a dime. Whereas yeah. in The Witcher, you you turn like a like a battleship, like <laughs> running circles, like you're running on the track, you know, like like a 400 as, meter athletics track, you know.
1: Yeah, no. As as someone with like 300 plus hours in The Witcher <laughs> three on like with multiple copies, uh, I will say that yes, it is a clunky game, but it's one of those things that like the more you play it and the older the game gets, the clunk and these like rough edges, like. Uh, start to uh, become, what's the word? Like, of, enjoyable like isn't the word? Yeah, endearing it is. It's like, cool, Geralt of Rivia, you know, Witcher, Monster Slayer, you know, uh, will die to small ledges. If no, he <laughs> exactly. run over them, front actually, legs, yeah, like. you know, will get stuck on a tiny rock. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, just r- ridiculous stuff like that. But we're seeing this game uh, get more popular down its, uh, its life cycle yeah, with the with this uh, new series hitting Netflix and suddenly these um, Steam numbers shooting up through the roof higher than it was at launch in 2014. Yeah, More yeah. people playing the game now. It's yeah, got a it. it Switch it launch. You
0: pick it up at like, you know, like hundred rand. But um, yeah. yeah, certainly the popularity has been boosted by the, the Netflix series.
1: And I wouldn't, and I'd be surprised to see like what those numbers are looking like with uh, in, in terms of people earning it like multiple copies of the game. Like they'll have it on PC, they'll have it on their PlayStation as well. You know, every time a sale comes around, like oh look at that,
0: you yeah, know. Cause and,
1: and, did
0: it come out PS3 or was it?
1: Yeah, yeah it came out twenty fourteen. No, I, I think it was definitely PS four. I don't think it was a PS three version. Was there? No. Okay. No, no. Yeah. So no, there PS4, was there wasn't a PS4, Xbox
0: and yeah. PC, and now coming to Switch.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's on Switch. I got I got plenty of friends playing it on Switch, and it's like their second or third time playing the game. Pick, pick. Yeah. So for me, I feel like that game will will still remain relevant. You know, as long as they're there's more Witcher content like out there. Like the, let's say the next season of the Witcher Netflix, like uh, it's already been greenlit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, coming in 2021, 2020, 2021 uh, came out like end of last year. Right.
0: Sure. Yeah. But I believe it's 2021.
1: Yeah. yeah, So, um, and and I can already see like another surge of people playing it. Um, it's one of those games where you kind of just get like absorbed by the world and it really kind of like shaped the next like five six years of like rpgs a lot of games were trying to do what the witcher was trying to do yeah you know in terms of like the the gameplay loop the side quests main quest the way you like navigate the map the way you unlock areas we saw um what assassin's creed went down that route um uh, many others horizon zero dawn as well so a lot of a lot of other games taking pages out of out of um cd mm. project's book you know uh, in informing their own game design and that's where i think like we got this sort of like open world bloat of like you know 2016 17 18 where people were trying to like you know developers trying to cash in on that formula
0: yeah i think for me with um, the witcher the two things that stand out are the side quests are have the depth of like unlike any other game you know yeah. it's you you sometimes are hard-pressed to remind yourself, wait, was this a side quest or is this main quest? Because you've been playing it for like maybe an hour and a half, one side quest, because they're just so rich and engrossing. And then also the amount of times a side quest will then influence like a main story quest later because some character hates you. And so that makes things easier or harder to, you know, perform something else. Like there's kind of like this butterfly effect about some of the side quests, which is, you know, really great. And a lot of them start incredibly innocuously, you know, like you fetch an old woman's pan or whatever. The next thing you know, you're getting, you know, secret messages about the war in, you know, all sorts of stuff happening, which I thought was really great and almost encourage you to do the side quest because you like, uncover so much more of the story that, you know, usually side quests are do the main quest for the story and the side quest to get XP so that you don't, you know, the main quests aren't too difficult. That's basically the formula. Um, but this this kind of turned that on its head. And I think the, the other thing for me was it was powerful to play such a varied RPG experience with a character that is actually so on rails, if you think about it. You know, most yeah. of these RPGs give you control of heck. I mean in Skyrim, you spend the first probably thirty minutes deciding on your race and how you look and that's you know, your name and all this stuff. It's like, no, you're Geralt of Revere, this is his backstory. You can't change that. Like basically yeah. all you can change really are the 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 alchemy the way you the decisions in your side quests and um you know kind of even the weapons are sort of like prescribed so Mm. there's very much on rails but you don't feel like oh i'm just playing through the story you really do feel like you're playing it your way despite the fact that there's actually very few decisions from a character design and weapons and that sort of side of things
1: yeah and and another uh Uh, thing that's kind of you know come out of my experience of the game is that every time I play it I discover something new whether it's like a side quest that I that just missed me on my last playthrough or maybe like one of these little undiscovered location markers that I hadn't seen last time that turns out to be its own side quest that gets super deep with you know different characters and you know and, and and a blows me away and i you know call my girlfriend from upstairs like babe come check you know because she's like really into it as well and she's like oh shit that's new you know and it's crazy how this game can like still surprise me like years later after 300 hours it's,
0: Yeah, it's wild
1: <laughs> so mass effect
0: 2 is our next on our list um 2010 97 percent um n- I've never played it, to be honest. My only experience in Mass Effect has been Andromeda, which, you know, anyone who's played the franchise will know that that was the worst thing to do. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, certainly you're playing Andromeda, you're going, I don't get what all the fuss was about. But yeah, Mass Effect 2, once again, just like culture defining like from a meme perspective, from story, so many people that rated it as like the best game of all time. Uh, did you manage to play it?
1: I did. I played it. I finished it. Um, definitely one of my favorite games of all time. Like sort of, I would put it up there with like last of us in terms of, wow, that was a compelling story. That gameplay was, you know, quite riveting. Um, it, it, for me, it's sort of like is the benchmark that, you know, in terms of quality that I would expect from Bioware, it was kind of like the pinnacle of the Bioware formula. That sort of got lost along the way for the with their more yeah. recent titles, but for me, like Mass Effect, kind of stands as, you know, the apex of like the the Bioware f- uh, formula that no one else has really been able to been able to do. Like, sure, some people have you know, take issue with the cover shooting. I didn't mind it that much. I found the action quite compelling, um, and it was like this natural progression from the uh, turn-based sort of action RPGs, uh, the the top-down story-based yeah. action RPGs that they used to make, like the Baldur's Gate and such, just in like 3D, more elaborate space, etc. It had a really good yeah. soundtrack. It had fucking Martin Sheen. Like, <laughs> it was, dude, it was, it was such a baller game. And like, all the 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 supporting cast in the game as well, like the other characters that you meet that join you along this quest, those relationships... Develop and change depending on how you interact with these characters, how you respond to them, how often you talk to them, whether you pursue relationships or not with them. Your like a renegade paragon meter, which was like something that they should have just kept in all their their, all their games, (laughs) particularly in their Mass Effect games, because that was the best. It's like you make good decisions. You become good, and your paragon yeah. meter goes up. You you decide to be a dickhole, and your and you go down to renegade, and your face changes, and you get like dark and evil, and it opens up different uh, different story options and different okay. ways to interact. Yeah, it's, it was it was great, such a good time. I played that game a lot.
0: <laughs> uh, the next one uh, would also be on a lot of people's lists: Elder Scrolls V: Skyrim. Geez, I remember when this game came out. I Yes, I must have sank like nine, ten hours a day for a week or so. It just was so engrossing and it was one of my first RPG experience where it felt like you could literally do whatever the hell you wanted. Uh, I mean, I remember following blogs where people would just go, "I've made my character into a chef, and he travels the land collecting recipes and ingredients and making food, and that's all he does. <laughs> I was just like okay that then
1: amazing dude. Cool. And, and
0: you could do that it was almost like an mmo but an mmo set within an entirely single-player experience which is so so rare because usually that kind of mmo experience only really is kept alive by the idea that you're interacting with other players you know that's what keeps it fresh so um really phenomenal job it was also one of those games where you kind of like doing your main quest, and then you go, oh my God, that dragon's fighting two giants. Let's go see what that's about. And then next thing, you're captured because you're inciting violence between giants and dragons, and then you take into a prison and like other side of the map, and you're like, what? Like, um, you like open up the <laughs> mini map or the like the full map, and you're just like completely other side of the map, got to get back to where I was. There's no fast wow. travel places I haven't discovered, so on my bike, my horse. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it just a really great experience.
1: That's crazy. So that was like the PS3 era, right? That was yeah. like um, PS3 Xbox uh, era. Right? It came yeah, out around on, 2011. I don't PS3, yeah. Yeah, so um, I hate to admit, I didn't play Elder Scrolls V: Skyrim. Like at that point, I don't know what I was. I think I was like mostly playing PC at that because I didn't actually have a PS3. Yeah. Um, uh, so that kind of missed me, but I know enough about the game. Um, to be able to say that i think it was also you know let's say elder scrolls 5 is sort of like if massive 2 is the pinnacle of uh bioware's formula then elder scrolls 5 is sort of like the pinnacle of like bethesda's right yeah. like coming off the back of like new vegas uh, which did really really well and same console generation if i'm correct yeah. was also yeah. ps3 right so they just had like a great um they had like a lot of success on that generation of console with you know Elder Scrolls 5 Skyrim and then also with um, uh, Fallout New Vegas yeah e- easily like two of the the their best games on the platform and Elder Scrolls 5 then also released again on every other console and in yeah, VR, and in VR. And, yeah jeez you know and on on Switch and it's one of those games that just like never stops giving in terms of the modding that's been done the memes uh, and some videos of the modding are made is on
0: phenomenal like I mean, so some of them are obviously like quality of life increases. So you'll get mods that will like increase the, the quality of the texture pack or, you know, uh, improve some of the load times, that sort of stuff. But I know you'll say those are ones that you will, you know, once you played with them, you'll never want to, you know, not have those mods installed. They're almost like, you know, imperative that you play with them. I've seen mods that turn all the crabs into fancy gentlemen with monocles and, like, you know, give, like, go like, Pish posh, push posh pish-posh, and they said, like, all the sorts of, like, snooty gentleman things, and I'm going, once you've played with the snooty crabs, it also becomes indispensable. You're never going back to normal Skyrim once you've had snooty crabs in the river, like...
1: So uh, here's a wild, like, uh, tinfoil hat conspiracy theory. I think yeah. that Elder Scroll. So the success of Elder Scrolls Five Skyrim um, catalyzed the downfall of Be- of bethesda okay because... i
0: i wish to subscribe to this newsletter this is interesting
1: okay and here's why so um uh todd what's it fucking todd howard is that his name yeah todd, yeah, howard. todd howard, yeah. um he reckon so their whole new business model that they've uh kind of conceptualized that has led to a whole bunch of uh terrible releases you know Came about in response to the fact that they have this decade-old game that is still hyper popular that people are still yeah. playing and they can't cash in a fuck on. Like yeah. <laughs> they're not getting any of the money from this like uh, active online community. Yeah, and in they're response just playing a game that,
0: They bought once, you
1: know. Yeah, they're, they're playing again. They bought once, and and Todd Howard has has brought this up multiple times in some of his keynotes at various public appearances. Where he says, you know, we've got thousands and thousands of players, and we have no connection to them, and we can't like collect their data, and we can't exploit them, and we can't like sell monetization to them, and we can't drive our stock price up, and like, but it's our game, like we made it, yeah. like what the fuck? <laughs> so they've kind of, you know, pushed the company down a road of uh, these online services, always online, whether it be on um, with uh, Fallout seventy six, which is kind of their first experiment gigantic meme um, or whether it's like one of their new sort of Skyrim like mobile ripoffs. I feel like everything they've put out in the last like few years has been a response to what's happened with Skyrim's success and how they can't capitalize on it.
0: Interesting theory. I I do tend to agree. Um, we wonder why we haven't seen more of Elder Scrolls 6 then. You know, even if it is a um you know, going to be more along the lines of a, a Fallout 76 type uh, subscription model thing. But um, they really seem to be taking their time with news on that project. Uh, if you consider that 5 came out in 2011, it's almost a decade later. And they teased it at E3 2018, I think. And mm-hmm. as I teased, it was like basically a flyover of a hill. And then the font Elder Scrolls came up like... Really you know, one annoyed. one
1: could even say that like Elder Scrolls Online is literally a direct response yeah, to that problem that they have. It's like, uh, you know, here's the Skyrim that you guys love and dig, and now play it with friends. So
0: for a small, small fee every single month.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh just one second. My my lizard's trying to get out of his tank. I just want to give him my he's a bit he's a bit dumb.
0: That's a euphemism for I don't know what, but um Cool. Uh, We'll continue with uh, the next one on the list. Batman Arkham City, which came out in 2011 and got 96% on uh, Metacritic. Yeah, I I freaking love the entire uh, Arkham experience. Um, So when Batman, what is the first one was called Arkham?
1: uh, Arkham
0: Knight? No, Arkham Asylum was the first one. Arkham Asylum. Yeah, Arkham Asylum, then Arkham City, and then was Arkham Knight, which was the garbagey one um but uh yeah arkham city was just phenomenal the whole arkham series is great because it was i've heard it described multiple times as like the first superhero game that didn't suck because they're yeah. just like it's such a low bar to clear until that <laughs> point i mean since then we've had like the spider-man game has been phenomenal this batman arkham city series have been um, amazing so the, you know the bars raised quite a bit but until then it was like god superhero games are garbage especially anything tied to a movie that prototype, felt like, honest, yeah, oh, just, just like, so. Prototype so was
1: the best superhero game, just saying.
0: <laughs> really? did, did you play
1: Prototype? Did you play Prototype? I did. Maybe God me, of felt- War is the
0: best superhero game. For me, it felt like just the not as good. Infamous was Prototype, yeah. and they came out um, like so- I think the same month. Even they were so close to each other.
1: So with the but, Arkham um, series, the reason why I stuck a chair on this list is well, not only because of the score, you know, ninety six percent, but also because. Of the influence that it had on these types of um, of like action games, the combat system, the way that you unlock more abilities, the way you use your controller to be the superhero, to be Batman, right? He has a utility belt, the way you um, the way you upgrade your abilities as well. You see that in you know um, the Shadow of Mordor series. That often people will. When describing one of these kind of you know action RPG games, it will be like, okay, it's got like a like an Arkham combat system. So yeah. like that word has become synonymous with the type of uh, That's kind of free flow, free
0: systems. flow yeah. combat, yeah, which is so well done.
1: Yeah, so 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 I think it's really important, you know, for the next for like this decade of games, you know, coming out in 2011 and influencing, you know, up until you know Spider-Man dropped in 2017. Uh, very similar style of combat, the way you navigate the map as well. And yeah.
0: Yeah. And also the kind of uh, same with Spider-Man, the sort of predator stages where you're vastly outgunned. If they find you, they will kill you or there's a hostage that is going to die on a, on a, you know, moment's notice. So you have to slowly and methodically take out, you know, guys, um, you know, on your way to clearing the room without, you know, anyone spotting you. Um, and the other thing with Arkham was those Riddler puzzles were just great. It's one of the few things I've like grinded through to a hundred percent to be able to get all of them. And that boss fight with uh, Mr. Freeze. I can't remember if he's a Mr. or a doctor. I think he's just Mr. Freeze. Um, phenomenal because it's like, it, it's a, the greatest part of a boss fight. Normally is like, take all the things you've learned at, to this point in the game and have to apply them Together, and so in this fight, I don't know if you remember if if you've played it. Was you you have to? It's a predator mode, so you've got to like get behind his back and you know do a knockout punch, whatever. But every time you use a piece of equipment, he then learns, if you want to say that, and then disables you from doing it again. So, for example, if the first time you are perched up on one of the ledges and you use a you know an inverted takedown uh, Mm. from the ledge. Next time he uses his freeze gun to like just obliterate that ledge. So there's no ledge there anymore. So then the next time um, you uh, sabotage one of the electrical power outlets so when he gets close, it shocks him. Cool, he freezes that so you can't use that again. And so I think you've got to get him like five or six times, but it's he narrows your options every single time. So you really sure. do have to use more than just... Because I'll be honest, you play the game and you, you kind of like out of the 10 or so takedowns, you get your kind of favorite two that you find the easiest and you kind of like lean on those more than than the others. And this is going, nope. Once you've used your strong ones and we won't stop you from using them first, but once they're done, you can't use them anymore. And so it's like, oh shit. Okay, cool. I've got to think about uh, other ways of being able to take this boss down, which I thought is just a really, really good boss mechanic. Yeah. Cool. The, so, the one you haven't got on this list, which I wanted to add, was uh God of War, the most recent one. I mean the franchise have been phenomenal, but the the latest god of war just Mm. a in terms of just rebirthing a series um making kratos the kind of like modern man in the sense that you can't be this kind of hyper violent almost cheesy 80s action hero type anymore
1: it's Um, like a some 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 80s action like rambo dude bro
0: (laughs) exactly like that's kind of what kratos was he was like the dude bro of ancient greece um, feels like that's that's a bumper sticker waiting to be made, um, <laughs> and yeah, I should I should tweet Corey and just tell him like uh, Kratos is the dude, bro of of <laughs> of ancient Greece. But the way they've reinvented him, and yes, I'm willing to admit the fact that being a father of a young son while playing this game, the feels are definitely there. Um, but I just thought they did a phenomenal job. I mean, take away the graphics, take away the like non-stop camera, no load screen, like all that just phenomenal tech point of view. The story is amazing. The gameplay is great. It's just, I cannot fault that game enough. I mean, I can't can't praise that game enough. And if I have to find a fault, it's just that it felt like the open world element they did because that's what gamers want more than that they needed to do. And they still came out with flying colors. So the idea that like, you go collect Odin's Ravens and you go do all this like extra stuff and side mission stuff. It didn't feel like they needed to do it. It felt like games nowadays need those things or else they're not considered great games. Let's put them in, but it didn't feel like filler. You know, it didn't feel like, the only one I'd say would maybe the the Odin's Ravens, like that felt like a little bit of filler. But the side quest, the Valkyrie missions, all that sort of stuff felt like it's all part of the world. You can choose to do it or not do it we're really just adding value to your your game time and your game experience. So yeah, I thought it was a great job.
1: Yeah, and I and I replayed it recently and it was one of those soundtracks that just kind of sticks with you. Like just as soon as you mention it, I like heard the bum, 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 uh, yeah. dun, yeah. dun, like in my head. The documentary like, yeah, no, is also phenomenal. It gives me absolute shivers. Uh, my only... Ah, complaints was that it was a bit too short. I wanted it a bit to be a bit long. I just wanted more. Okay. I'm like, I want yeah. more. Oh, and is that really a complaint? I don't know. maybe. Um something yeah, that
0: I think a lot of people when they were comparing who should have won two years ago with red Dead and and God of War, did cite the playtime as in like God of War is twenty five hours, and Red Dead's like a hundred. But um, yeah, three or four yeah, months. And that, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I think it's a bit of a trite argument because no one's having that discussion when it comes to the Oscars going, only three-hour movies should win. You know, it's like, what? Like, a movie's either good or it's not. It's independent of its runtime.
1: So another thing that I just kind of put on my list now while we were chatting is um, is Bloodborne. I feel like Bloodborne needs a special mention here. Um, came up March 2015 with a 92% Metacritic score. Um, but what Bloodborne, I think, did for kind of like this last decade of games was it's um, a kind of Put put a game archetype or at least this uh style of uh this um playstyle into the mainstream, which is, you know, uh get good, right? Hmm. It's the it's the which what would previously be considered like a hardcore experience for the mainstream and like really popularized the genre, exposed people to it who otherwise would not have played any of the um the Souls yeah, games Souls. previously. Was my first you Souls know,
0: experience was Bloodborne.
1: You know, I, I had mates playing Demon Souls back in the day on like, you know, on their Pentium, <laughs> uh-huh. their pen, pen, Pentium 3, <laughs> you know, uh, flip like uh, 500, 512 megabytes RAM, dude, shit, get wrecked, yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, for, for me as well. And and I think like that has influenced, um, de- I mean, combat systems today, like you just look at like um, you know Jedi Fallen Order, which we uh, just played recently. I'm taking a page out of that book a lot of games uh trying to recreate that uh that hardcore combat experience yeah you know creating depth you know with the enemy with like that one goon that yeah, i mean, uh, how, for some reason we struggle with
0: how often have you heard oh it's it's the dark souls of platformers it's the dark souls of action games it's the dark souls of cooking shows like whatever like the <laughs> whatever if it's if it's a hardcore experience suddenly it's the dark souls of you know
1: <laughs> yeah carry the dark souls of <laughs> stew. <laughs> exactly so well, yeah no, um, and and and, and, that, and and like that um, that term wasn't as popularized kind of you know before bloodborne sort of hits like everyone's yeah. talking about the dark souls of x right yeah. um, g strings yeah. the dark souls of underpants
0: <laughs> yeah I am. Um, I'm not going to fight you on adding Bloodborne there. Certainly, certainly a good addition. My my last addition would be Portal. Just for what it did for, I don't know, like game design. It it for me. I mean, the fact that it was bundled in what was called the orange box at that stage, which was just like, hey, buy Half Life two and like Episode one and Episode two and like. Team Fortress 2, and oh, this random thing called Portal. And everyone's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, we'll play your tech demo at last. And Portal was just this phenomenal experience. Like, from a story, writing, from humor, from the puzzle design, it was just amazing. I mean, so so much so that I think I've got, like, three Portal tattoos on my body, um, which, you know, obviously talks to how how much the game, you know, meant to me. It was just, yeah, yeah really, really really a great uh, gaming experience.
1: Yeah. So that was uh, 2007. Portal 2 was 2011 with a 95% uh, Metacritic score.
0: Yeah. Well, there you go. Looks like other people liked it too.
1: Yeah. It also did a lot for Steam. Yeah. Definitely. A lot of Steam. Yeah. Okay. So
0: those are our games of the decade. Are you willing to, you know, put your cock on the block and name one as yours?
1: Um, I would have to I mean like it's quite obvious I'll have to go with Witcher 3. Witcher 3 is okay. one of those games where, you know, I can go months without playing it. And then just put it put it on because I feel like immersing myself in that world. I want yeah. the music, I want like winds howling, you know, I want <laughs> yeah. I want all that nonsense just for a bit, you know, and then I get bored and I'll turn it off. But it's one of those stable constants that will always entertain me and will always hit the same buttons and spots like whenever I turn it on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for me, using that metric of, of switching it on, you know, and playing it again, none of these actually get into that list. I, I very seldom play games, you know, again. But, you know, like, because for me, so if I'm going to play a game again, I'll just play some Dodo or some Hearthstone, or, you know, you know, just for a new experience. But if I think of a game that had me in that moment of going, I don't know if you've ever experienced this when you're watching a movie and going, I'm really enjoying this. Like you almost like break out of your viewing experience to like out of body and go like, wow, I'm really enjoying every minute of this. This is amazing. I hope it doesn't end. But even if it ends now, I'll go, this was a good experience. And that for me would have been God of all. Like there were moments I'm playing this and going, even if it ended right now, I would be happy at like having had an amazing experience. Like if they cliffhanger, cliffhanger. If they cliffhang ending this, wow, I don't know how the grammar of that works. You know, right now, in the middle of this if fight. If they I'd hung like, this off oh, the side of a cliff. That's we. That's a weird ending, but I'd be like, shit, that was that was a really fun experience. I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, so that would be my game of the decade. Probably a little unfair that it's so late on in the decade in terms of, um, you know, being competitive. You'd, you'd think that uh, it automatically stands... A little bit unfairly ahead of some of the others, um, but yeah.
1: Yeah, but we could, we could say it's it's a good benchmark for um, rebooting a franchise. Yeah, so let's say yeah. if in the next in the next decade, the next ten years, you know, um, uh, publishers uh, or developers will be looking at uh, rebranding and rebooting franchises that have kind of long been on the bottom shelf or in the bin, collecting dust. Yeah. they might look at God of War four as um, as like a reference point for doing that. I'm thinking of things like maybe Silent Hill, although like we probably wouldn't see Konami moving any muscles on that. But, uh. you know, as as a good example, like that could be a way to be like, okay, okay so how do we uh, tackle this? Let's look at what um, Santa Monica Studios did. Like where did Cory Barlog like, you know, start, you know, how did he first conceptualize rebranding this for a new generation of consoles, new generation yeah. of players, people who may have never heard of Kratos before. So I think that's where this game is really important from, like, a cultural perspective.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, I think it's certainly gonna be a case study in, in terms of how to reboot um, a character or at least an entire franchise. So uh, we've waffled on for the last fifteen minutes about our games of the year, but um, or games of the decade even. But um, the one thing we wanted to kind of introduce as as a new, um, I suppose. Uh, Regular feature is our villains and heroes of the week. Uh, It might not be specifically gaming related. It's just kind of like whatever's in In the internet uh, and the memes and the culture whatever and so uh, Tim if you'd like to introduce our hero of the week
1: Hero of the week uh, for me are wombats. So um, If if you unless you've been living under a rock, you know that uh, Australia is on fire yeah. And um, what wombats have been doing is, uh, so they have these really intricate, uh, uh, intricate, huge, like large burrows. They got really deep, and they've actually been herding other smaller animals into their burrows, like grabbing them and pulling them in, being like, "Come on, dude! Like, let's oh, yeah. get you to safety," and, and not they've... to feast on them later, just to no, just just to hide them down there and have a good just time. A good Maybe guy. you know, nice. share some cuddles and, <laughs> you know, swap into some species some stories. Yeah. Yeah, and just be like, you know, large Aussie marsupials in halls. So, yeah, Wombat's definitely um, absolute heroes of the week. Um, As far as villains go, uh, (laughs) Joe Biden, I don't know if uh, anyone, at the risk of sounding too political, Joe Biden is, let's say, the Democratic uh, frontrunner for the um, uh, primaries. Next election, yeah. Uh, Yeah, the the favorite to go up against, like, Donald Trump in the next U.S. election. He just said that uh, game developers are, quotation, little creeps who make titles that teach you how to kill. Ah, come on, Uh, Joe. (laughs) Come on, dude. Like, we've been through this, man. Like, I don't even know who he's trying to pander towards at that statement, but it's a bit silly. It's not really um, researched at all. If
0: anything is teaching me how to kill, it's yeah. Netflix um, murder porn and true and true, <laughs> true crime documentaries. Like if anything is teaching you how to murder, it's that stuff, like not not video games. I mean, I've been playing video games for the greater part of 25 years and my current real life death count is still less than one. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're at take, negative take, one because you created a human.
0: Yeah, actually, uh, which means I get to take one out, right? That's <laughs> how it works, it's like, a, Debit and credit system, right? you you make one and so you have to take one out. Yeah. Walk in silence. <laughs> I
1: mean, do we have cool. do we have time to get to the news? We're gonna, we're gonna skip that out. Yeah, let's probably, get to like, the rush sh- through it. I yeah, probably, we like, can rush through the news. Speed read for,
0: for those of so, you who want your news uh, tasty tidbits. Let's uh, rush through quickly in the uh, next five minutes.
1: Tasty tidbits. So Cyberpunk was delayed. Fucking sad face Ooh. of the notes. Uh, from April till September, um, Adam Kaczynski, um, the uh, CEO at uh, CD Project said that they will uh, the the game just needs more time. They'll try and limit crunch time as much as possible. Um, and I put here crunch slash sprint because I feel like the word crunch is being rebranded with um, the word sprint because it sounds a bit better, right? It yeah,
0: sounds of course. Better. So,
1: like. Crunch sounds like something is getting destroyed under pressure, and sprint just feels like I can do you're, this. Yeah, but I don't have to run this, very yeah. far. I just have to go like fast for like a short period of time. Yeah, exactly. Which um, is not the case most of the time. Yeah, like I, it's it's weird because this this word has come up like uh, where I work. We're going to do like the video sprint for the next you know two weeks, which is really just I got to like like hardline it. But yeah. anyway, um, Marvels Avengers also delayed till September. Um, not such a Big headline there, but, you know, if anyone was keen on that, it's getting delayed, sorry. Um, uh, The next one would be Epic Games declares that their market strategy has worked and they announced more exclusives. So Epic Games was uh, in a lot of headlines last year just from uh, grabbing up a lot of excuses. It's really aggressive um, strategy of just, you know, these timed exclusives, you know, some were as silly as, like, you know, a year, (laughs) Uh, a year off off the shelves Uh, so it started with like Metro Exodus then Outer Wilds, Borderlands 3 as well and it looks like they're not slowing down with that the platform itself still has no shopping cart Uh, it has a terrible refund policy uh, no preloading, terrible social experience no modding, no reviews, no community but hey, they've got exclusives so there's that they've
0: obviously decided that's what people care about the most I mean, we've had this argument a hundred times about how do you win the console wars
1: just be more competitive
0: everyone's just going in a million different directions but like you know home entertainment and you know all sorts of extra stuff and online features and free games it's just like have the best games if you have the best games people buy your console over another console that's my theory at least
1: and then um, no surprise to anyone sony pull out of e3 2020 Mm. Uh, they did this last year it worked out well for them so E3 2020 like i, I don't think it'll even have any announcements of PlayStation 5 there's going to be no no PlayStation at uh, no Sony at E3 2020 yeah. so that yeah and of people like, are talking kinda, about kind of being
0: the death of the of the whole kind of kind of convention um you know last year saw a lot of big players not present and uh looks like it's going to repeat itself this year and so, you know, we'll see if E3 dies or if it reinvents itself as something else, you know, kind of, I don't know, more independent thing or I don't know. Let's wait and see. Um, it's sad because it's kind of been my bucket list of things I'd like to attend one day. But if it ends up being the sad kind of like flea market thing in the next couple of years, then I guess I need a smaller bucket.
1: And then if I had to drop like one more tiny piece of info at the end of our luscious podcast, um, it would have to be to promote another podcast that I'm listening to from, um, uh, from a YouTube creator named Patrick H. Williams. Like I'm really big into his content. He's one of those guys using his like film degree to just make like, uh, dope in depth analyses of like arbitrary things like Michael Bay's entire filmography. <laughs> like, and now he's like a true American art tour. I just love like bullshit like that. Anyway, <laughs> he has a podcast. Um, anywhere you find podcasts called Can't Get Enough of Keanu, where for the last year they've been going through uh, Keanu Reeves's filmography, um, starting with the, um, Starting with the, his recent John Wick trilogy, and then kind of like backtracking to like Bull and Ted Lake House, you know, going through yeah all that stuff. Um, the the quintessential uh, Keanu podcast. The, they're hilarious guys. I really enjoy it. And I scrolled back through their library and the podcast. Uh, was rebranded from the previous one which was i heart we heart heartnet which was the foremost josh Hartnett podcast <laughs> on, on the internet uh, where can. they just went through his filmography which is equally amazing so i was like just listening to the one on like the 1998 uh, film the faculty which was like this um yeah, kind of like body the sci-fi. yeah body snatches written by the same guys who did scream um, okay. i know what you did last summer was, yeah kind of like the self referential like sci-fi um, one it was Josh Hartnett's second form also Elijah Wood being small and yeah, cute yeah. in there yeah the guy who plays T1000 from Terminator 2 forget his name but he's the coach and he's brilliant okay. anyway that was that was that
0: that's <laughs> a ah, so shout out to a new podcast uh to be fair Tim is the most uh hardcore Keanu Reeves fan that i've met in a long time which is why the cyberpunk delay really kicked, was a kick in the balls for him <laughs> But, that was uh, the last they're thing they're I was taking... even
1: thinking about.
0: Oh, really? But um, yeah, I was
1: like, I almost forgot that Keanu Reeves was in that was in that game. Anyway, he's Jesus. breathtaking. So
0: yeah, I need to take your, your breathtaking. So um, yeah, thanks guys. That's been uh, the Gaming Guru podcast this week. I hope you had as much fun listening to it as we do making this stuff. So if you have any comments, questions, or stuff you want to chat about, message us on Twitter at Guru underscore podcast. Uh, Otherwise, I'm at the Gareth Woods, and Tim is at Tim and a Fish. But until next time, uh, just go play some games. Smell
1: you later. Ooh,
0: baby.